And it's essential to recognize that emotions are a fundamental aspect of the human experience. Everybody has them. And we must address them constructively so that we can contribute to the overall health and happiness of our campuses and make our campuses trauma sensitive. Welcome to the Society's Child Podcast, where we have real conversations about being a trauma-responsive educator in the midst of a significant mental health crisis. Hi, I'm Trish Senzak, a former educator, compassion advocate, and Jesus lover, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Are you feeling confuzzled about your students' behavior and needs? You're not alone. If trauma-informed strategies leave you wondering, what's next? Don't worry. My friend, I've been there too. As a foster mom and a child of complex trauma mixed with my experience as a teacher, it's led me to finding a compassionate, whole child approach that's evidence-based, practical, and transformational. And I'm so eager to share it with you. Whether you want to connect with your students on a deeper level, create a trauma-sensitive environment, or you just need a little bit of encouragement or support, you're in the right place. So grab a drink, a pen, or your earbuds, and let's work together to create a safe and student-attuned, trauma-responsive school culture. Society's children need you. So let's get started. Hey, friends. I'm excited to be here and talk to you again today. And I just give you a little nugget about who I am and what I do. I live in a motorhome full-time right now. We're currently stationed in Orlando. And so if you hear background noise, you hear an air conditioner, you hear dogs, you hear kids playing, that's just my life and that's what it's about. So um, just have a little grace around what you hear in the background and here we go. So I'm excited to talk to you today because this is at the heart of everything that I do and what I love to talk about and what I believe that all of us need to lead with especially those of us who call ourselves Christians. Compassion is at the heart of everything. And with this trauma-informed movement that has been surrounding us so much, I think a lot of times we forget just how much compassion it takes, how much energy compassion takes, and so therefore how much energy trauma-informed and being trauma-informed and all the stuff around the trauma-informed movement takes. So, In talking to people, I often hear, well, I've got the resources, but I don't know what to do with them. Or I hear, "Um, I just don't have the time. Or now that I've got the information, I'm not quite sure how to put it into practice in my classroom. Or, yeah, some of us do it on the campus, but many times our administration's not behind it. And I think we all have to be into this, no matter what we do. So when we start and thinking about the trauma-informed movement, I want to also bring it back down to the fact that we're not just talking about kids in trauma who've been had challenges. All of us in our life have had things that have dinged us. All of us have had issues and things that have bothered us in a way that make us respond and react a certain way, whether we call it trauma or not. Now, I'm not minimizing trauma, but I want to bring this to a human level in a way that we think about all people. So with our kids with trauma, their regulation systems are pretty much out of whack. Their central nervous system is on high alert and so on. And I also believe that many of us who are trying to care for these kids, we're also walking in the classroom 
with past hurts, past traumas, past things that are that are happening. And it's hard for us also because our window of tolerance may be on high alert or we, we may be walking around um, on edge and so on. And I share this with you because this is part of my story. I grew up in a way that my central nervous system was always on high alert. I didn't trust people. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know who was on my side or who I could trust or who I could align with, who saw me, who didn't, who understood me. I just walked around in my own little world trying to be perfect so I would get noticed. And then one day I quit school. And then one day I came back. So all kinds of things were going on in my life, but nobody really knew. As an educator, I walked into the classroom with that. So I often think about the fact that there are educators who are educating our children, just like me, who've had a rough situation coming up. And so it's important, and this is another podcast for another day, how much we're supposed to do our own work and really work on being prepared to be in the classroom because we have to really be on our game with other people's children. So a lot of people say that they don't have the compassion to give or they don't have time for it or whatever, they're overwhelmed. But I really want to encourage you Because I can think back on a lot of my type of teaching and I remember seeing kids come into the classroom who wouldn't bring supplies. They didn't want to work. They'd come in and put their heads down and my gut told me there was something going on and I needed to reach them. And I made efforts. I went to these kids and I would try to have conversations and I would try to work with them and many would kind of come along and see that I was on their side and then some would still keep their heads down or still fight me on working. But later I learned that most of my pivotal moments that the kids are coming back to talk to me about are when I saw them. When I took the time to take them aside and really have a conversation, cheer them on and understand where they're coming from. I'm sure many of you have had these same situations and you might relate along the same lines, but some of us, you know, we're all caught up in our, in our work. And so maybe you're like, let's just say you're an English teacher and you've got a heavy load and those papers and the grading and all the demands and the writing and the vocabulary and everything going on. Maybe you're stressed and overwhelmed at the curriculum and then you have classes that are completely unruly and is just overwhelming to you and you go home with that every single night. And you may unintentionally overlook the signs of emotional distress in your classroom simply because of your overwhelm. Or maybe you're like a history teacher um, who has really a strict disciplinary approach in the classroom and you focus so hard on maintaining that order and getting those rules and being what you need to do because you prioritize education and that is so important to you. And maybe because of that priority, you might not really readily address any emotional challenges or that kids have externally outside of your classroom. Or maybe you're content focused and you're that science teacher who is deeply passionate about what you're teaching and you've got to get every nugget and every lesson and meet every benchmark. And you're so focused on covering the curriculum that maybe you just unintentionally minimize or overlook some emotional needs of a child sitting in front of you. Or maybe you're a math teacher and you're so focused on the numbers and and you just may not be fully aware of the personal struggles that there could be happening right in front of you. Maybe you're like all of us and you're the time-strapped teacher who is 
a general high school teacher and you have so many classes, you might even be teaching an extra class or two and you're so involved in the extracurricular activities and your busy schedule keeps you running from running, running, dot, 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 dot. Maybe your busy schedule limits the time that you can dedicate to just understanding the emotional connection or the outside challenges of these students. Whether you're a history teacher, art teacher, math teacher, PE teacher, whatever, we're all in these same situations where we're time strapped. Maybe we just don't have an idea. We're content focused or we're the strict disciplinarian. What? Or maybe you're just simply overwhelmed and it's too much to think about. Or if you're like me and you've had times where you've been struck by trauma, it's too much for your system to think about a child sitting in front of you. The, with the same pains and the same struggles and it's just too much to look at. I want to, my friends, tell you that I see you. I know that this is not easy and I know the demands of your job are just ridiculous for what you have on your plate and, and who you serve and all of the things and all the dots and the T's and the I's and everything that's supposed to be crossed. I know it makes perfect sense. I really want to encourage you and I just I want to ask you to go that extra mile and if you're a Christian listening to this I think we are called to do these things and this is a place where we can do it you know the government and the outside influences on education make education a place where kids are getting fed and they're getting seen and they're getting the social emotional needs met and and so on and so many pressures are being put on teachers to have our spidey sense up and really being able to pay attention to where the kids are 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 getting their needs met along these lines and we're expected to do so much more there may be some resentments to that and i'm sorry that you're put into this position but this is what our our jobs as educators has evolved to but if we don't do it, we if we don't give these kids an outlet or even have an outlet for ourselves. This can be extra, you know, stress on our personal well-being. It can be extra stress and anxiety. So we have to take care of ourselves as teachers and educators and anybody working with these children. It's so super important. We have these times when we've got to be able to help these kids. And so I'm really asking you to look at how you're able to communicate it both um, subconsciously or consciously. Because if we don't do this and we don't give the kids an outlet or we don't have our own outlet for it, it can have an impact on our personal well-being with extra stress and anxiety. It can lead to communication challenges and even ha it, it can even hurt our relationships with our kids in the classroom because if they don't feel seen walking through the door, if they don't feel understood, they don't trust you. And they're not going to do the work if, they, if they've written a story in their head about you. They're, not, they're going to shut down. And they're not going to be willing to do the work for you because they don't have a relationship with you. So trying to create a relationship with our students, it's huge. It does wonders for this ability to be able to release. And um, it also helps long term with their mental health because they can look back and, and maybe have a better experience with school because they connected with that one teacher that was willing to go that extra just 10 steps doesn't have to be a mile just 10 steps because if these kids walk through our doors and they're constantly being disregarded spoken down to suppressing in these emotions we could be that one tiny avenue so here's what i think are the barriers besides the things that i just mentioned to you um, I would love for you as an educator to look internally at yourself and ask yourself, why 
do I have a, a little bit of resistance to this? If you find yourself resisting at all, I may be speaking to the choir here and you may be here because this is your game and this is what you want to do. But I want to ask you to look at maybe these little areas that just might be reasons why you are having a hard time stepping into the trauma-informed movement. So my first thing is maybe you were someone who never grew up with compassion. Maybe you can't even think of a time when compassion was given to you and you just grew up with such a rigid, strict household. And it's hard for you to show compassion. It makes perfect sense. And maybe compassion was never taught to you. You know, more is caught than taught. And if we don't have that in our lives or no one ever showed us compassion, it's not a value for you. And perhaps there's a cultural or societal or a personal reason that it just hasn't been in your world. Maybe compassion is just not easy for you. And if that's the case, maybe it's a lack of self-awareness and you realize that you need to have a little um, compassion around your own emotions and experiences. That's one of the hardest ones. Compassion may not be easy for you if you've got a lot of deep-seated biases or judgments to a certain group of people or a certain set of certain things growing up or resentments or you have diverse experiences and things that have caused you some pain and you're harboring that. It may be taking so much more energy to harbor those unforgivenesses so it's difficult to give compassion in places where it's needed. It might not be easy for you, like I said in a few minutes ago, if you're overwhelmed, but not just by the school stuff you have going on. Maybe it's overwhelming because your own personal life is overwhelming. Maybe compassion is not easy for you because you might have rigid expectations and beliefs about how others should navigate their challenges. I truly believe that we grow up with our own sets of rules and how our families raised us and I've been raised by hundreds of different people who influenced my life. And I've been able to take some of those things. And I've found myself with very rigid expectations and shoulds. And when we should other people, we're shaming them. And so if, if I've learned, had to learn that the lens that I put on my life, that I've lived my life through, I can't put on everybody else and expect everybody else to navigate those challenges the exact same way because they don't have the, the navigate, they don't have the, the values and the, and the rules that I grew up with. So maybe compassion is not easy for you because you're living in that same rigidity that I can so believe I grew up with. And maybe compassion is not easy for you because you're preoccupied with a lot of the external things going on in society. And there's all these norms and, and things that they prevent you from prioritizing your own well-being and emotional well-being of the kids. And that's just not a priority for you. Maybe it's not easy for you because you just lack some exposure to some different diverse backgrounds. Maybe your life has brought you up in a particular lane and it's difficult to see from someone else's perspective. And it limits, limits your ability to empathize with individuals with different backgrounds from yours. Maybe compassion's not easy for you because you have your own unresolved personal traumas. And it hinders you from being able to see and connect and understand the struggles of others because yours are big and in your face. And then lastly, maybe compassion is not easy for you if you've been influenced by a competitive mindset that prioritizes individual success 
over everybody's well-being. Maybe it's so important for you that individual success has no place for emotions and it makes it challenge for you, challenging for you to empathize with someone going through a difficult time. Wherever you are, my friend, I really want to encourage you and I really want you to do something for yourself to, to stretch that muscle, to really get into being able to to stretch just a little bit more and be willing to walk into this particular mindset of helping people through compassion. And I'll, I, I want to encourage you by offering a few ideas of ways that you can just stretch that muscle just a tiny bit. Number one, the biggest thing is allow yourself to feel your emotions. Welcome them. Now I know this, if, it, if you don't have not really walked a healing journey or have never gone down this path of trying to be emotional or touch into your emotions or deal with other people's emotions, this will feel very foreign to you, but it's a perfect place to start. Number one, just feel it. I remember when my mother died. It was a very, it was probably, it even brings up emotion in me as I speak right now. Probably one of the most difficult things I ever had to deal with, especially because of my challenging upbringing. But the emotion, I had had enough healing and journey at that time that I told myself I was not going to suppress those emotions. I was not going to stuff them down. I was not going to let it go. And so I remember times that I felt it coming and I wanted to push it down and ignore it and say, justify it and push it away. And I let myself feel it. I just let myself be overwhelmed with it. Let the tears come and felt it through every ounce of my being. And I want to encourage you, if you've got something you're working on in your life, get it out of the way, just work on it. And then maybe you need to number two, take it to the journal. If you're not a journaler, write your emotions down. Sometimes getting it out of the mind and downloading it, as I say, putting those words to paper. There are thousands of different journaling methods out there. I would encourage you to journal and pray for self-awareness around your emotional expression. And then number th um, three, develop a self-development strategy that's going to exercise this muscle. So if you find yourself holding on to this, you find yourself with extra grief, you find yourself with emotions that you're stuffing and you can't, it's a block to your compassion. I encourage you to develop some sort of either go to therapy, work with an accountability partner, find a coach, get someone from your church, do something that helps you on exercise so sit with someone that needs a little bit of compassion and just practice that using that muscle and that's part of my fourth thing is find an accountability partner and someone who's working towards this or as we used to say in the recovery world when we look for a sponsor we find someone who's doing it like we want to do it so or has the recovery that we want so find someone in your life that does this well and and really get confidential with them and talk to them about how they do it and ask them to to kind of mentor you or work with you on that it's risky it's scary and that's very vulnerable I know but in order to get to the compassion level we need with our kids we have to work to that we have to take those blocks down and then lastly I would encourage you to practice one student at a time pick someone that feels safe to you that's calling to your heart I just want to remind you that these kids need you. But most importantly, we are all God's kiddos. We're all made in his image. And I know that Jesus led with compassion. The shortest verse in the Bible was Jesus wept. That tells me he not only did it, but he did it, he did it publicly. He had emotions and he expressed them with others. So 
I want to encourage you not to suppress that. This is a barrier to the trauma-informed movement and making us have campus-wide compassion. And it's essential to recognize that emotions are a fundamental aspect of the human experience. Everybody has them. And we must address them constructively so that we can contribute to the overall health and happiness of our campuses and make our campuses trauma-sensitive. And if we start by recognizing that compassion is the first key that we have to have to welcoming all of these trauma-informed strategies, we can start a revolution because our containers and our tolerance for holding space for these kids will be much bigger. And maybe, just maybe, those kids will see you just a little bit more human and a little bit more approachable. So in the next episode, I want to talk about what we can do about this. As administrators and leaders on campuses, we encounter people all the time who have a difficult time with compassion. And on the outside, they look like our complainers and they look like our ones that resist it and don't do it and are the ones that are very rigid and can't handle it. So as administrators, what can we do about this? We have to create a space for them. I believe in my heart that we can lead an educational revolution through the spirit of compassion. Compassion for our kids, compassion for the parents of our kids, compassion for our educators, compassion for our staff, and also compassion for ourselves. So until next time, my friends, see you on the other side. Hey, amazing educators. Thanks for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave a review. Even better, share this episode with a colleague. And hey, I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can even join my Facebook group for some extra support and a dash of inspiration. I've left all the links in the show notes. Until next time, my friend, remember, you're not alone on this journey. You've got this. Keep making a difference and stay teach-tastic.